Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. Acts 4, verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Let's go over to John. The book of John, chapter 14, verse number 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. How many know there's no exceptions? Come unto the Father, but by me. Let's pray over the reading of the word tonight. Let's all pray together. Let's pray and ask God to do great things in our midst. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we need you tonight. We are asking for you to touch our lives in a great way. I pray that those that are tormented in their mind, that they be free from that burden. We speak deliverance in this house tonight in the name of Jesus. And those that are hurting on the inside, I pray that you would bring healing to their life. And Lord, those that are uh, sick in body, I ask now for healing to flow in the name of Jesus. And I pray tonight that your spirit would uh, be strong in this place, that nobody would leave here like they came. And I'm asking tonight uh, for you... uh, to speak through me, I pray, that I may speak as the oracles of God and minister with the ability that you give in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to go back to Acts 4, verse number 12. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. I was watching C-SPAN one night after church, just, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago now, it may be four weeks, time passes pretty quickly. But I was watching C-SPAN when they had uh, the memorial service at Virginia Tech. And uh, because somebody called me and said, you need to watch. They had watched it live, and C-SPAN showed it later that evening, and they showed a replay of it. And I thought it was very interesting that they had a man get up, and he represented the Muslim community. And he read out of the Koran. And then they had uh, a lady that represent the Buddhist community. And she read... Uh, a quote from the Dalai Lama. And then she said something that I found very interesting. She said, we were all born into this world with a good nature. Well, I don't find that to be biblically sound. And then a Jewish, a lady that represented the Jewish community, I don't know whether she was Jewish or not, but I'm assuming so. She read out of the book of Ecclesiastes and she read a a passage that I didn't find it brought me much comfort. You know, she said to everything there is a time and a season like, you know, that was supposed to happen. And I think it really is a misrepresentation of what that scripture really means, but that's not... 
I'm not harassing that too much. And then a man got up and represented the Christian community. And I found it very interesting. He did not mention while I was watching the name of Jesus. And he did not read any scripture whatsoever. And I found that to be a little hard for me to take. And then after he was done, he said, I want everybody uh, to bow their head in a moment of silence And everybody bowed their heads, Uh, the young people, the young men and women that even were wearing uh, Virginia Tech ball caps, they took them off in honor of uh, that moment of silence. And yet, when it was, even before the moment of silence was done, somebody in the crowd began to uh, quote the Lord's Prayer. And I don't know whether they told them they could not do that from the platform or not. I don't know whether the man that represented the Christian community uh, just doesn't believe much of the Bible. I don't know whether he doesn't think very strongly about the name of Jesus or whether because of political correctness of the day, he was told what he could and could not do. And as I'm watching that, I begin to have righteous indignation rise up in the inside of me. I don't know, I kind of felt like Jesus, maybe what he did when he chased the money changers out of the temple. That's how mad I was getting. Because I found uh, that there is none other name uh, by where we must be saved. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no exception comes to the Father but by me. And so I'm hearing all these things that are supposed to bring comfort in that hour, but I found that everybody else could quote whoever they wanted, but it seemed to me that there was a box put around Christianity. And I think we live in what the Bible would say, perilous times, stressful times. And uh, I find uh, that we are living in these kind of days where what we believe is being greatly challenged. And as I'm sitting there watching all this, my mind went back to when I was a boy, we learned about the beginning of this country. And we learned about people that came to this country on the Mayflower. And in my mind, I remember not one Buddhist being on the Mayflower and not one Muslim being on the Mayflower and uh, probably not even a Jew on the Mayflower. Are you understanding me? All I found were people that came here for religious freedom. They came here because they believed that there was none other name whereby you must be saved but by the name of Jesus. And so I found myself uh, a little bit upset I was upset and I felt bad for the families uh, that were represented there and the students that were there at that uh, memorial because no one there was bold enough to tell them the truth. And maybe it was by plan or maybe it was by the man was too weak to tell the truth. I don't know. I hope that it was not that he was too weak. But I'm going to tell you, in times of trouble... We need the name of Jesus. In times of trouble, we need that name 
that is above every name. And I thought it was interesting that one man said that this tragedy was bigger than any faith community. Well, I have a hard time with that. But I found that the tragedy that happens is still not bigger than the name of Jesus. And I find comfort tonight in the name of Jesus. The Bible says again in Acts 4, verse number 12. He said, There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The word saved, really, we have an idea somehow that saved means I just come to the altar when they sing just as I am or some song about the cross or something and I come down here and I was going to go to hell but when I get up from here I don't go to hell anymore. Now that's only part of what salvation is. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel. If you don't get anything else about salvation and get any other revelation of salvation, get that revelation. When you get saved, you don't go to hell anymore. Old things pass away and all things become new. You're not what you used to be. You were on your way to hell, but now you're on your way to heaven. That's the good news about salvation. But salvation, that word is more than that and includes more than that it would mean deliverance and it would mean safety and preservation and healing and soundness and wholeness when I think about Virginia Tech I find that everything they needed was in the word salvation deliverance and safety and preservation and wholeness and soundness and healing I think that we ought to know that It's all in the name of Jesus. Somehow we have got in our mind because there have been people that have overemphasized the name of Jesus. How many understand what I'm saying? But I will tell you, most of us have greatly underemphasized the name of Jesus in our life. We throw it out at the end of the prayer uh, when we're praying over our meal like it's not uh, an authentic prayer if we don't say, in the name of Jesus. And we throw it out like it really doesn't mean that much. I'm going to tell you the way we say it. We might as well pray, good grub, good God, let's eat. It probably means as much. Are you understanding me? Don't get mad at me. I don't think you ought to pray that way. And I don't see any children in here that would be influenced to think that was okay tonight. So I can say that anyway. But yet I think many times we don't understand how powerful the name of Jesus is. That name represents everything that he was and everything that he is and everything that he will be. And that through his name and only through his name we are saved. We are healed. We are delivered, made whole. We have safety and preservation. In this world that we live, I think that we ought to run to the name of Jesus. The Bible said the righteous run under the name and are saved. Thank God for that name. I think that we don't realize tonight, I, 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 I thought most of the songs that we sang, uh, it was like, uh, 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 I don't know who picks Debbie or Jean but, uh, or someone else. I don't know who picked, but whoever did, they did a good job tonight. It worked well with what I'm preaching. Amen. 
but I thought everything fit because it was stirring me up because I'll tell you what, I have found uh, that there is peace uh, in the name of Jesus when the storm is raging and I have found that uh, that name, uh, that name of Jesus is above every name. Now think about this. A name is only as good as the person it comes from. You think about that for a moment. Today in our society, we have probably uh, two different kinds of generations in here. To one generation, the names Carnegie and Rockefeller, those names mean something to one generation. But to this generation here and this generation and this generation, those names, they don't mean anything. They might know who they are, but it's not what it was to my parents. Because a name, as good as it is and as powerful as those names are, those names have lost some power. Today, the names that mean something to this generation are names like Oprah. And names like Gates. Those names mean something to this generation. But as powerful as Oprah's name is and and Bill Gates' name is, eventually those names will lose their power in society. But I'm preaching tonight about a name that will lose no power and has lost no authority. It is the name of Jesus. That's why nobody wants us to speak that name anymore because that name still makes demons tremble and there are a lot of people that have them in their life that they don't want to hear the name of Jesus. It bothers them too much. Come on now. The name of Jesus. I thank God for the power that's in the name of Jesus. I want you to know tonight that we need to realize that that is the name that is above every name. And again, it's the name whereby we must be saved. All the things that we talked about. Mark 16 and 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's not very popular either. But it says, in my name you will cast out devils. In my name you will speak with new tongues. And in my name you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How many thank God there's still healing in the name of Jesus? There's still healing in the name of Jesus. When I was a boy, we had an evangelist come to my dad's church. I was just four years old. And uh, so you're talking uh, uh, in the 60s. And I was, don't rack your brain trying to figure out how old I am. I'm 43. Some of you are going, if he was four in the 60s, how old is he? Well, I'm older than I was last time I was here. Now, I'm 43, but I was just four years old. And that evangelist that came to my dad's church, we had gone out to eat before church and and we were going to church and I got my arm slammed in the door, this left arm, and it completely latched on my arm and those were old heavy doors of cars then. 
And when that arm latched on my arm, I can remember hollering and screaming out and crying out. And they opened the door and my arm was hanging like I had another elbow. But I remember my dad and that evangelist put their hand on my arm. And thank God they knew about the authority and the power in Jesus' name. They knew that that name had lost no power and they said in Jesus' name. And when they did, I didn't, I I will tell you, my arm went back to normal. I had no pain. I had no blood. I had no, uh, uh, any problems, no bruise. I am telling you, I am a walking, living miracle of the healing power in Jesus' mighty name. Thank God for the name of Jesus. I want you to go over to Acts 16. In Acts chapter 16, I believe I want to read, begin at verse number 16, but I may not have that quite that way on the PowerPoint. So you might just need to bring your Bible to church. I've got an extra one for you. (laughs) Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, how many understand what she is doing? She is telling their fortune. Now, how many understand that in this world we have people that have opened up their place to read your palm, they have opened up their place to read your cards. How many know the devil always has a counterfeit to the real? And because the church has not allowed the gifts of the Spirit to operate as a whole, we have all these counterfeits to the real popping up. Are you understanding me? So we have this lady here that brought her masters a lot of money by telling fortunes and the same followed Paul and us and cried saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did, or this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. How many thank God that there is deliverance from demonic oppression and possession in the name of Jesus? Now, I'm going to tell you, there are still people that are bound and possessed by devils in the United States. Sometimes we don't want to talk about that, but I'm going to tell you, the Bible still says cast them out. But see, what we have done in America is we now drug down our demons so much that when you pray for them, uh, they don't get set free. Now let me tell you, overseas... The church, it doesn't matter what the name is on the church, whether it be Baptist, Nazarene, Pentecostal, Charismatic, it doesn't matter what kind it is, they have dealt with demons overseas. But somehow we, we think it's wrong to talk about it in church. I was preaching in Guatemala. On a Thursday night, they brought a lady to the platform that when we went to pray for her, she began to manifest demons. You say, how do you know they were demons? You will know when they manifest. 
You won't have to be going, hmm, I wonder what she is going on there. She began to manifest demons. I found out her name was Juana. Juana, she had bewitched the people in that area. She was what they called the local witch doctor. They had a name for her. But she brew up her concoctions and, and uh, uh, cast spells on people. And, you know, we, we don't even think this way. I don't think. But when we went to pray for her, now I'm going to tell you, she began to manifest demons. Now normally, when I'm in a meeting overseas, when somebody has something like that happen, we take them out. We get them out of the, and put them back, maybe uh, if we're indoors in a back room somewhere, or, or take them uh, to the side. We might even have a tent set up on the side for that kind of ministry. And you say, why do we do that? Well, I don't want the devil taking over my service. Are you understanding me? The devil can wait. See, sometimes, you know, that stuff happens in church, and we'll, we'll stop everything we're doing just to deal with one devil. What about the other people that are there? The devil can wait. You know, the best thing to do if something like that happens is have, if it's a lady, have a couple of ladies go out in one of the uh, Sunday school rooms somewhere and deal with it until after church. And if she's still not free, then bring her back in. Or some more people go back there. Well, I broke my rule. I thought, oh, this will be easy. We'll just get this done in five seconds. Half hour later, she doesn't look any better. We've rebuked and the devil hasn't buked. I mean, we're doing everything we know to do and still, it's, but this lady is bound, bound. I don't know what to, how many devils she had in her, but she had plenty of demons. Are you understanding me? Now, after half an hour, I'll tell you what happened. This lady, Juana, the demon-possessed lady starts tearing her clothes off. You said, what did we do? Well, when she started tearing her clothes off, I looked to the other gentlemen that were with me. I said, it's time for us to go. Now you say, why would you leave a poor lady like that? How many know when women start tearing their clothes off around you that you're not married to, it is time for you to leave? Some of you are looking at me like, I don't understand. Well, I'm going to tell you, I found you, uh, you get away. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't look bad, it can't get bad. What does that mean? How about the word I used last night, abstain from their very appearance of evil. Now, you're, some of you are going, well, what about the poor lady with the demons? You know? Well, we didn't leave her alone. We, somebody backed up their pickup and some ladies from the church got her in the back of the pickup. They drove her to the local church and they started praying for her. All right, that's Thursday night. Friday night, or no, Friday morning, excuse me. Friday morning, I go to the church. They have a radio station behind the church, Radio Maranatha. It covers all of Guatemala, all the way over to Honduras, uh, and thousands of people hear the gospel through that radio station. Very powerful station. I'm preaching on the radio there, and when I come to the church, they're still praying for her the next morning about noon, more than 12 hours later. That night... They're still praying for her that night. Now 24 hours later, Friday night. 
Saturday morning, 36 hours, still praying for, 48 hours that night, still praying for, she's still not free. Sunday morning, I go preach at the local church, that church. I'm sitting in the pastor's office getting ready to ask what's happened to Juana. All of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. They bring a, a lady in with her husband and uh, uh, their child. And uh, they introduce her. It is Juana. She doesn't even look like the same lady. She's been set free. But now, it's over 48 hours later. Uh, she's been uh, set free by the power of God. I will tell you, the name of Jesus is more powerful than the devil. And I don't care how many devils you have I don't care how hard your situation is I will tell you the name of Jesus will deliver you from demonic oppression and possession I walked into a service in Columbia South America we got there a little late on a Sunday night and they had brought us late so it wasn't that we showed up late we just got there late and I walked in a little man about this tall he come and ran and picked me up and started spinning me around and jumping up and down with me. A little bitty guy. And, and he's talking not to nothing in Spanish. I, I know very little Spanish even when you talk slow so my Oklahoma ears can hear. <laughs> and the interpreter tells me, you prayed for his wife the first night of your crusade. She was demon-possessed, but you, uh, by the power of Jesus' name, she was set free. And he's just so happy, he wants to tell you, thank you. How many know if your wife was demon-possessed, you'd probably pick up the evangelist and spin him around and jump up and down with him too if she got set free? Thank God there's still power in the name of Jesus. The power, the name of Jesus has lost no power. Somebody say amen. Go with me over to Acts 10, verse 43. Acts 10, verse 43, very quickly. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. One translation says the forgiveness of sins. Acts 2 and 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God says in John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave a power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I thank God that there's forgiveness of sin and remission of sin through the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. I got one thing I want to preach and I'm just not there yet. And you can be happy. I skipped a lot of my sermon already tonight. Acts 4 verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Fearless confidence. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Now, notice a couple of things here in these verses. Look how specific they're praying. General prayers generally go unanswered. They pray that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now think about that a minute. You remember what happens in Acts chapter 5? Peter's shadow is healing the sick. Signs and wonders are done by the name of Jesus. 
How many understand that there are signs and wonders in the name of Jesus? That preaching and uh, miracles ought to go together. Are you understanding me? Now go over to John 14. This ought to make you excited tonight. He said in verse 12, John 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Everybody say, that's me. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's saying, whatever in anything, I'll do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever you need is in the name of Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. We act like there's some things that are just too hard. He said greater works. If Jesus healed the sick, cast out devils, raised the dead... Lepers were cleansed. Those seemed pretty tough, but he said greater works. So that pretty much means that whatever you think is too hard for God, nothing's too hard for God. Now that verse number number, uh, 14. He said, if you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. There was a great man of God that I have read about. I'd never met him. Great man of God by the name of P.C. Nelson. He was great in the assemblies of God. Matter of fact, in their Bible schools, their Bible doctrine book was written by him. He was a man that was greatly used of God. He could write in 32 languages and speak in 32 languages. He was a linguistic expert in the military. 32 language, read and write in. He's 32 ahead of me. So he read his Bible in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament. He read it in the Greek. He didn't have to have somebody interpret it for him and put it, you know, as much as you may like the King James, it didn't come that way. Come on, somebody, man, that, it's okay. You know, I, I find people that uh, don't quite understand that a little odd to me because it did not come written this way. It came Greek or Hebrew. It was not English. Somebody had to translate it. So when you get all upset about a, a kind of a version being read from the pulpit, then if we're going to read the original, we've got to go a long ways back from this. And we'd all be in trouble. All right. But let me tell you how great a man P.C. Nelson was. I was in Enid, Oklahoma. I don't know if anybody, somebody said they knew somebody from Enid today. We, we ran into somebody, I think. But Enid, Oklahoma is all north of Oklahoma City, about an hour and a half. And Enid, uh, it's what I would say it's famous for is Oral Roberts had his first healing crusade in Enid, Oklahoma. He was pastor there. And he crusade in Enid that launched him to be the great evangelist that he has become. Now, 
Enid had a church. I was holding a revival there one February. All February I was in one church. God moved greatly in that city. And a man came up to me and said, My dad wants to take you out tomorrow and show you something. I said, Well, bring him by. I knew his dad was a pastor in that city, but he was in his upper 80s now. He said, I want to show you something. We got in the car and we drove around that city and we went by an old church, Glad Tidings Tabernacle. It was closed down. Just an abandoned building. But he said, I remember my grandparents brought me to this church when I was a little boy. He said, P.C. Nelson would be there holding a healing meeting. And the building would be probably about the size of this building before it was added on. He said every seat would be filled. They'd bring chairs in the aisle. People would be standing in the back. He said, but what I remember as a child was that they would be lined up four and five blocks to get hands laid upon them to be prayed for for their healing. Now, when I got thinking about that, I thought we've lost our excitement about healing. You know, you tell people you're having a healing meeting now, they'll stay home and go to the doctor all day long. But P.C. Nelson was asked by a group of Bible college students what that verse means. If you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. He said, literally in the Greek, it would mean this. If you'll ask anything in my name and I don't have it, I will make it for you. I don't think you caught that. He said, if you'll ask anything in my name and I don't have it, I will make it for you. He's the creator of everything. I was preaching over in Bluewell, West Virginia with Andy Bird. It's one of the churches I go to quite often. And, and uh, uh, we were there a couple of years ago in March. You had a giant snowstorm. I think they had 8 to 10 inches. And every church in that whole area closed down. But they went ahead and had church. They had about 140 out. Now they usually run a lot more than that. But I got to preaching and I just couldn't stop. Uh, uh, I, I just couldn't, uh, uh, well, keep on preaching. Let me put it, I had to stop. Because there was a woman sitting on the aisle and there was not really that anything unusual about her. She was very pregnant, you know, looking like it was time to go anytime soon. But that's not unusual. We've all seen that. But she's sitting there and the Lord said, stop what you're doing. I've got a word for her. Well, I just kept not stopping because I thought, well, I'll wait till the end of the message, you know. And, and then he stops me in the middle of my preaching. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I want you to stand up. I said, the Lord spoke to me and just gave me a word for you that that which has been going on in your life, I, the Lord said, everything's going to be all right. That's all I said. Very simple word. She falls out. Now, I didn't know what was going on in her life. Pastor told me, Pastor Bird told me at lunch, he said, that woman, this week, the doctors told her, they, even though it's this late in your pregnancy, you probably need to abort this baby because the baby has Down syndrome. And the way it looks is if you are going to be physically in danger of losing your life if you go ahead and have this baby. 
Two weeks later, I got a phone call from Pastor Andy Bird. He said, the lady that you prophesied over that everything's going to be all right. He said, she has a perfectly healthy little baby. I'm going to tell you something. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. Because he can create and manufacture where there's not. He can say, there is. Are you hearing me? See, I think we have a problem sometimes. We think that whatever we need, it has to be something that's available somewhere. But he is the manufacturer of it all. Let me explain this to you. My wife used to have a Ford probe. She bought it from Bill Brown Ford. Brand new. She drove it off the parking, uh, the drive, the drive. And uh, when she drove it off the drive, I can't look sometimes. Some don't even want to go there. You don't even want to know. I think I'll preach behind this pole for a minute. He's wrong. She drove it off the lot. As she drove it off the lot, it stalled and would not start. Nothing, no power whatsoever. After she sat there a while, called the dealership, it started back up. She took it in. The technicians plugged it into the computer, tried to find out what was wrong, tried to get it to recreate the problem. It would not do it. She left again. This time it stalled. It wouldn't start back up. They had to tow it back. And they couldn't get it to start back up. They had all the technicians look at it. All of them take a look. They could not find the problem. So you know what they did? That car was made in Flat Rock, Michigan. Flat Rock, Michigan, we lived in the Detroit area at that time. Detroit is here, north, and then Toledo is south, 45 minutes. Flat Rock is right in the middle of those two cities. That Ford probe was made at the Mazda factory in Flat Rock, Michigan. They called the factory and had them come. They brought a truck and took it back to the factory. At the factory, the people that made the car, the manufacturer, took it apart until they found the problem. They brought it back. She never had a problem with that car again. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think tonight. Many of us are going to the dealer when we need to go to the manufacturer. Because he said, if I don't have it, I will make it for you. There's power, there's creative power in the name of Jesus. There's power for whatever and anything that you need in the name of Jesus. I will tell you tonight, I thank God for that name that we know tonight that is above every name. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says in verse number 9, it says in Philippians 2 and 9... Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Verse number 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I thank God for the name that is above every name tonight. There is not anything that you can think of tonight, not anything that you can speak of tonight 
that is greater than the name of Jesus. I know that there's power in the name. I believe uh, that you'll find that cancer is below the name of Jesus. Arthritis, that name uh, is not above the name of Jesus. Oppression, every sickness and disease is uh, under the name of Jesus. And I believe tonight that we need to realize that we have been given that name that represents who He is. See, when Peter and John came to the temple to pray that morning, the man was wanting a handout. He was lame, but they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I will tell you, they knew that the name of Jesus has lost no authority and it has lost no power. I think sometimes we have become so accustomed to the name Jesus that we have let it lose power in our lives. But I will tell you, in the heavenly realm, that name is still powerful. I believe when we speak the name of Jesus, something happens in the heavenly realm. I believe every time we speak the name of Jesus that I just believe God dispatches angels on our behalf. The Bible says angels are to minister unto us, the heirs of salvation. And I believe when we speak that name that something happens. Those angels are dispatched on our behalf and demons are shoved out of the way. How many know that demons, we think, you know, they must be from below. But the Bible said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And I believe when we speak that name, that angels, they are knocking demons out of the way just so God can get to us. I thank God for the name that's above every name tonight. I thank God for the name that's above every name. I want to close with this tonight. While we were in Israel, we went, they showed us some kind of castle that somebody had made. A fortress, I think is what they called it. It had a moat around it. It had a drawbridge. And we walked across the bridge and we got to what would be the front door of the fortress. And it had a big archway. A big archway and you know, you'd think you walk through the archway and you'd walk right through the main door. But instead of the door into the fortress being straight in front of that arch, you made a sharp turn to go through the main door. It was cockeyed in my book. You wouldn't build your house that way. You would build the beautiful arch with the doorway behind it if you were building a house like that. And I got looking at that and I thought, now why in the world did they put the door a sharp left? You know, I'm thinking if you've got to carry a piano in, it's impossible. You know, those are, I'm just thinking stupid things. You brought in a couch, it'd be a hard turn. Are you understanding me? And I'm, I'm just sitting there, I, I don't know, my mind works probably different than most people. I was just kind of going, why in the world did they make that door over there? That's all. I'm just standing there. Uh, the, the guide's probably talking about, you know, how old this thing is, but I'm just looking at the door. He said, are there any questions? I said, yes, sir. I said, this might be irrelevant, and maybe nobody else is interested. But I said, we've been to a couple of these things, and both of them. We go through these, and the, there's an archway, but the door seems like it should be here, and it's over here. 
He said, oh, I, I should have told you why already. He said in those days, when the enemy would come to the fortress, they would take a battering ram. And if the door was straight ahead, they could, no matter how big the door was and how strong the door was, eventually that battering ram would knock the door down and the enemy would get in the fortress. He said, so they learned to make a sharp turn because a battering ram couldn't make the turn. I want to tell you something. I found that we should use the name of Jesus like a battering ram. And the devil may have his tricks. And he might have put a few kinks in the road and a few curves, but I found the name of Jesus, it makes every curve and every kink. Are you understanding me? And if you'll hammer away at that which the devil has tried to bring in your life long enough, the name of Jesus will bring it down. I thank God for the name of Jesus tonight. I want you to stand to your feet. We've made world history tonight. I preach shorter than I ever have in this church. But you find that when Peter and John said to the lame man, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have. Give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He reached down, grabbed him by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He went walking, leaping, praising God in the temple. But you'll find something that happened. They got thrown into jail. And when they were asked to explain what had happened, here's what they said. Acts 4 and 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Tonight I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed, no one looking around. Only through the name of Jesus are you saved tonight. If you got saved by joining a church, by signing the roll, I'm going to tell you according to the Bible, you're not saved. If you... Uh, went to the front and shook hands with the preacher and they said that's what got you saved. According to the Bible, you're not saved. If you got to the Father through any means other than Jesus, I'm going to have to tell you, according to the Bible, you're not saved. But tonight you can know you're saved. I want to ask tonight in this building... 1 John 5 and 13 says you can know you have eternal life. Romans 8 says you can know you're a child of God. Luke chapter 10 says you can know your name is written in heaven. 